Hello guys and girls, welcome back to another episode on the Becoming the Trader podcast. So we are now in part two of this three-part series that myself, Neil and Jake have been going over. And I really, really appreciate all the feedback that we've received from the first episode, which is about reflection. If you haven't checked that out already, definitely go revisit and listen to that because there are lots of key nuggets that we've shared within that that's going to really, really help you reflect on the year. And this is a great time to do that. But joined with me today again, Jake and Neil, we're going to be talking about today preparation. I think this is one of the most important things and everybody has their own way they can prepare for the year. This can be trading based. This can also be in general life as well. So we really want you to listen to the key takeaways that you can Im- implement into your life straight away. And that's the most important thing about this three-part series. Jake and Neil, how's it going on your end? Yeah, really good. So one of preparations, probably one of my favorite things to do. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. All good over here. Yeah, really looking forward to diving into this. Last uh, podcast we did was absolutely amazing. We've had some really good feedback. So let's uh, follow up with this one now. Sounds good. I think a great part would to start, I would love to hear from from both of you. You know, everybody does things differently the same way we do reflections. It's always slightly different. When it comes to preparation, how do do you both find preparation? I'll, I'll start off with you, Jake. What's the best way that you prepare, especially this time of the year anyway? This is the most important time. Yeah, definitely. So the biggest thing for me and the thing that I found most effective, again, is going through university, doing a lot of things at the same time as trying to learn to trade and doing other businesses is time blocking. So many people say they don't have time, but what they do is they're not using their time effectively. So one homework before I jump, homework task before I jump into things is just for the next week, track how much time you are spending on a, on a task. So every half hour, every hour, write down, okay, well, I'm at work or I'm eating lunch or whatever I'm doing track what you're doing. And then at the end of the week, review that and you'll find, okay, well, I'm spending X amount of time on social media or X amount of time scrolling through Facebook or YouTube and I could be using that time effectively. So I think it's going to surprise you how much time, one, you're wasting and two, not using effectively. So jumping the time blocking, again, what it's, I think it's Parkinson's law. It's like work expands to fill the time available for its completion where if you have four hours to do a task and the task is only one hour long, that task will now take four hours. So I'm a big believer in time blocking and how I go about it. So again, it's, it's very daunting. If you've never done this before, you sit down and say, okay, we'll I have a whole week and I've got, okay, what do I need to do on each of those days? So again, start small. What I recommend doing is if you have, again, let's take the example of four hours, four hours free in the afternoon or the evening, I would go and block maybe two, two uh, one hour sessions. Yes, you're only uh, using up half that time, but what you'll find over time is, okay, well, I'm now doing two hours of really productive work and you'll actually get more done than you have previously. But over time, you can expand that to three, three and a half time blocks. So one thing there is, again, just start small and scale. A lot of people, what they do is, and Mark, you've talked about this a lot, where you obviously do five daily goals Mm -hmm. and a lot of people do that are, I guess, very time poor. They'll try and do the exact same uh, five daily goals and they'll do it for a day, do it for two days. They may hit one or two goals. And they just give up because they know they're not going to hit it. It's like, like I was saying before the call, it's like having an hour to go to, go to the gym and it's like, okay, well, I need an hour to, to work out. I don't have that. So rather than going for 20, 30 minutes, I'm just not going to go at all. So going back to goal setting and pre- uh, preparation, I would much rather you start on two, three daily goals, hammer home, do those very, very well. And naturally over time, you're going to build momentum. You're going to be more confident that you can tick off what you plan. So you may do two goals for two weeks and then say, okay, well, I've got a bit more time. I'm going to do three goals. And if you slowly build that over time, 
again, it's very sustainable rather than trying to do everything at once. And again, going back to the gym analogy, how many times do we see January 1st, January 2nd, the gym is packed, but then by the end of the month, it's dead again. Because what people do is they say, okay, well, I'm not training at all. My, my workout plan is, is pretty, pretty average. And they go, okay, well, I'm going to do gym five times a week, cardio three times a week. And they start off really well. And after a week, after two weeks, they burn out. So that's another big part is, uh, monitoring your energy. And again, we'll use trading, for example. So many people, they'll time block ineffectively and they'll try to do too much uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they get burnt out by the by middle of the week. Thursday, Friday, they're going to take trades that aren't probably the best because they're mentally fatigued. So one thing you do need to do is track your energy levels because if you have that decision fatigue, you're bound to make poor decisions. So, And then one last thing I want to touch on is, again, plan time that there's, there's dead time. If you try and plan every single minute of the day, naturally things are going to take longer than you expected. And if you've planned minute to minute, you're going to, be, you're going to get stressed out that you haven't completed something and it's, it's now pushed into another task. So what I do and I, I find it really effective is have times in the day that you've got nothing booked. So you've booked a 45 minute session, um, some part of your day, nothing's planned in that time period. So if something goes over, it's like, okay, well, I can now take time out of that time block and use it in this task or Say you're involved in a, in a work task or you're back testing and it's like, okay, well, I've allotted an hour to this, but I'm actually really in generate, like I'm really getting some good, um, I'm getting some good stuff done in this session. So rather than capping at one hour, I'm going to take some time and then obviously add it to this time block because you don't want to be in the flow of work, which is sometimes hard to get into and then stop abruptly because you have something else planned. So that's something that's really helped me. And the, the thing behind time blocking is one, using your time, but know that, okay, well, when you're not working, it's okay. You don't feel guilty because you, because you've worked so hard and you've got a lot done in those time blocks. You can afford to spend 45 minutes an hour not working, having a bit of downtime, recharging your batteries and not burning out. And you don't feel guilty that, okay, well I'm watching TV or watching the football and I should be working. So again, it comes down to the, the quality of your work sessions and I find time blocking is perfect for that. Nice. Nice. I think there's lots and lots of key things there. And I think even just, thinking about everything that you just said that the momentum part is the key right and not underestimating the fact that even if you just do a few small tasks that will compound and actually build up anyway and then before you know it you're actually doing things efficiently and not just wasting time and actually booking that time off when you started time blocking for that time that let's say where people kind of run over and they, they block out every minute of the day and end up not doing anything like you said what would you call it kind of call that would would you just mark that on as my time general time something like that yeah i would say my time because the, the best analogy is say you have an appointment at 2 p.m and you leave it's a 15 minute uh, drive there you leave at quarter to two how many times are you going to run into traffic and the only reason you're stressing out is because you put yourself in a situation that's obviously you're it's super tight in terms of timing so if you leave at half past and give yourself more than enough time to get there if traffic traffic uh, traffic occurs then again, you've got a time, uh, almost a buffer there. If it doesn't occur, okay, you arrive early, you maybe listen to an audiobook for 10 minutes. So yeah, I, I, I call it my time. Nice, nice. No, I really like that. I think time blocking is is a huge part of success because you actually get the things done that you need to. And I, I personally, from my experience as well, has found that you end up having more time by time blocking because, and I'm sure you both have experienced this as well, when you've got goals to set for the day, and like you said, if you think you've got four hours to do something, it will take you four hours. So if you think you've got 24 hours to do something, it will take you 24 hours. 
where if you actually block it into each individual things and get it done, you'll do it more efficiently, you'll do it better and find you've actually got more time, which is your own time. And then you can even achieve more goals. So I love that. What, what about yourself? Just quickly on time blocking, Neil, what's your sort of thoughts on that? Well, for me, time blocking is, uh, it kind of ties in very nicely to what I want to talk about. And it's utilizing the sort of the, the time of the day that you have the ability to control using that effectively so that when there's other times during your day, then um, that necessarily aren't in control, like for what you can do, let's say you have a job or, you know, a family and things like that, then, um, then it doesn't spill over. And then you manage to get your goals ticked off for that day. I, I think um, you've got to, you've got to manage your day effectively and not be over optimistic about how much you can get done each day. So like you guys have been talking about, start off slow, set yourself three goals instead of 10 each day, build some momentum and then take the positives from that momentum and then carry it forward. Nice, nice. I, I think that's really, really key. So anybody listening right now, if you're struggling to get started and you're feeling like, right, I'm setting five or I'm setting 10 goals, I'm not getting anything done. Just, just pay attention to those key things. Even if it's one goal, doing one goal a day that is going to push you towards your bigger goals is more important than just doing nothing. So you can do one thing that you might think is insignificant, but it will really, really compound at the end of the year. So nothing wrong with starting small. So Neil, yourself on you know, what you wanted to speak about, you've obviously uh, had a lot of experience while you've been preparing, let's say, when you're trading and you're working. Is there anything you wanted to expand on that front? Yeah, I think one of the, the most common questions that we get sent over to us is like, oh, I keep, I keep missing trades and I can't get into these trades because of my job or because of my family or because I'm asleep. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be times where you, you can't take every trade, even as full-time traders, there's still positions which just go without us. And that's just the way the market works. But I want to, what I want to cover is more specifically tailored towards traders. And even more specifically, it's those traders that have a nine to five job because more than more likely than not, most full-time traders have come from working a job It's where we learn the skill. And it's also where we also save up enough capital that we can go full-time. But um, it's, it is difficult balancing a job and trading because we never know when the market is going to move and when it's going to give us those opportunities. But what I, what I have found in the past, which really, really helped is, is bookending my day with time that I set aside so that I can effectively prepare myself for the day coming or for the days coming so that when I am at work and things are slightly out of my control, where I do have a window of opportunity, I know exactly what I need to do to capitalize on, let's say, that one position or the, the setup that I'm looking at. And it kind of ties back to the, the five Ps, which I'm sure everyone's heard of before, but just for those that haven't, it's proper planning prevents poor performance. And I really do think that if you, if you prepare properly each and every single day that you approach the markets, you will find yourself missing far fewer opportunities. So if you prepare for what you can control, it will help you negate what you cannot control. So everyone has, a, like people have a job, you get called into meetings, you're very busy, you're snowed under with emails, you can't control that. But if every morning and every evening you've done whatever you can to best prepare for that next day, you'll find that not only do you miss fewer opportunities, but you also feel much less anxious and much more connected with the market. Because we don't know when the market's gonna provide us with the opportunities. That's why it's so important to always remain prepared. And you also prepare yourself with multiple scenarios as well. So you don't just quickly squiggle, draw some squiggles on the charts and forecast one position. You, you forecast multiple scenarios and you really go into depth with exactly what you're looking at, 
what you want to see the market do on the pairs that you're forecasting and how you will go about entering and managing that position. I really, really think that forecasting is the number one routine which new traders can do, not even just new traders, but new traders, experienced traders, that will really, really help benefit your trading. Of course, goal setting, back testing, everything like that, it's all very important, but I do think that forecasting is such an underrated aspect of trading. And I feel that if people allocated more time, care and attention to their forecasting and did it with a little bit more detail, they will be so much more prepared and they will miss far fewer opportunities. So it adds clarity to what we're looking at. It helps us remain calm, especially in those, those days of the week where perhaps the market is setting up a little bit. It's always important to know exactly what you're looking for uh, and not just jump into the market too early and something that you've not forecasted. And the final point is it also enables you to act decisively when the market does get to the point that you're looking at. I mean, for myself, I've, Trading, putting a trade on only takes a moment. And I, I've taken trades myself from the gym whilst I've been um, in the car as well, like just pulling over to the side of the road. Placing the trade only takes a moment. But what happens before that is hours and hours of preparation and practice, which is all behind the scenes, which no one really sees. And you can't expect to have one without the other. So what I would like to leave everyone with is just a quick actionable step as well, which is if you have a nine to five job, if you, you're finding that you're missing a lot of positions and you're not feeling that prepared with the market in the evening before you go to bed, I want you to forecast two or three of your favorite looking positions for the next morning, forecast multiple scenarios for each one. And then in the morning, have a look over those pairs again, adjust your forecast wherever necessary, but pick two of those pairs that you feel are most likely to be ready for that day and just disregard the rest of the, the pairs that you're looking at. So you know that when you have a window of opportunity to look at the markets, whether it be on your lunch break or in the bathroom, then you know exactly the pairs that you're going to be looking for and you know exactly what you're looking for for those pairs to do. And that will better enable you to act decisively and without hesitation. So that's, that's my take on a preparation around a nine to five job. Very, very nice. Very specific as well. And, and, I, and I really, really like that. I can resonate with uh, quite a few things there, remembering when I was working and doing the same thing. And I think anybody listening, you know, apply these steps. You know, we say them for a very, very good reason because we've got the experience and we've, we've done them and they've helped benefit our lives. And that's what we want to share. And I think there's so many key points in there, you know, taking care of the, the morning, it just takes care of the rest of the day, but you do that the night before the morning gets taken care of if you take care of the evening and focusing on what Neil said there, said there of what you can control. If you can do your morning routine really well and do your evening routine really well, you'll find that you'll start capitalizing on trades more so anyway. And as they say, you know, preparation is half the battle. I think that's a, a quote somewhere, half the victory, something like that. I would even go in trading even more than that. What Neil said about, you know, only takes a moment to place a trade. How long, you know, for, for you guys, what, a minute to fill out the deal ticket, let's say, per trade, right? If we're taking about a minute to fill out a trade, let's say on average, you know, uh, 10 trades per month, 12 months, 120, you know, it's, it's not, even, not even a couple of hours for the whole year. If you think about the time spent on actually physically, you like filling out the deal ticket and placing the trade itself, you're talking like two hours. Let's put management involved in that as well then maybe three hours in total, whatever it may be. But I mean, we're talking, you know, under five hours of a whole year. So preparation all leads up to that. 
the actual time spent, and Mark Douglas talks about this a lot in so many videos, the click of the mouse is not the skill. The skill is you actually doing everything beforehand and that preparation. So it's crazy when you think about it, it from that perspective, that will, I think, ignite it in your mind even more so of how important preparation is. I mean, you two, how long do you spend filling out a deal ticket? A minute or so? Yeah, not even. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it just it just goes to show you that it, it does not take long. The, the time spent preparing for that moment could be hours of, of, of preparation beforehand to know exactly how to look at those trades like the back of your hand and know exactly what you're going to do, how you're going to exit, et cetera, et cetera. So preparation is key. I, know, I really love both of the points that you both shared. And for anybody listening to this, if anything's gone over your head, make sure that you re-listen to these bits of information, especially if you're a trader, because it's going to help you out massively. One really important thing that I wanted to, to leave you all with and talk about as we talk about preparation, right? Preparation isn't just trading alone. We want to go even deeper and, and wider in that sense and prepare for the year ahead as we are in December. So I just want to run you through what I'm doing right now. And I think there'll be a huge benefit whether you're a trader or not. This will help you out. So I've got around 50 or 60 goals written out right now. Just over to you guys quite quickly. You'll be preparing with your goals and things like that. Have you guys started writing out your goals at the minute? Definitely, yeah. So for, for me, it's it's all on paper and now it's about prioritizing, okay, well, what do I actually want? Because when you're first putting pen to paper, you're just writing everything out, which is which is good. It's almost getting it out into the world and then you can actually have a more analytical look at it and be like, okay, well, this goal, okay, it sounded good when I put it down on paper, but do I really want it? So that, that's what I'm in the stage right now. Nice, nice. What about yourself, Neil? Yeah, so for me, it's almost like a, a three-step process. So I've already gone through the first couple of steps of this, which is getting everything out of my brain and down onto paper. And, uh, you know, the, the sheets of paper that I have in front of me, they're a bit of a mess, to be honest. But now comes the third stage of that process, which is really, really whittling it down to find out what truly is of value to me and what I really want to accomplish next year and what is, let's say, a bit of a, an arbitrary goal and one that I, I don't really care so much about. So it, it's a process which takes a bit of time, but ultimately, you know, you, you put the effort in, you reap the rewards because I know that what's left on the page at the end of all this will be what truly matters. A hundred percent. And I, and I, and I absolutely love that because the, I love this time of year. I really do because right now in my, and again, uh, the goals that I've written down right now, they're not that neat. They're, they're similar. They're quite messy because all I'm doing is I'm just getting it out there first of what is on, um, on paper of what, what I, I actually want to focus on. Right. Um, uh, how many times have you felt that you've written some, something down before I give this step where you cross things off? Does that happen quite regularly when you're, you're writing goals down? Yeah, sometimes you, you go back over a goal and almost laugh saying, why, why did I even want this? Why did I write this down? But again, that's why you need to go over it a few times because you're not going to have the same thinking you did when you first made that goal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it would be weird if you didn't have this, you know, where you cross things out and, you know, you almost laugh at yourself at some of the things which you, you thought were important, but it's, it's incredible how quickly we evolve and grow as humans. Oh, if I look at old journals of goals that I thought that I wanted, it's, you know, you, you're a completely different person. And I like to think of it as like, uh, well, not everyone's going to relate to this, but you look at old pictures when you had a different haircut style. I'm sure some of you have gone through this. I think, why did I have that haircut? And I, I do the same thing with my goals. I look at goals and think, really? Did I really want that? And as you mature and you reach a different level of consciousness, those goals change. So now I've got lots of goals. Do be have that they're, they're all on paper, but now I want to go through that priority stage where I really want to figure out what are those ones. So I will personally be narrowing those down to 10 each. 
So I've got so many goals that I want to focus on for the next 12 months, but I want to narrow it down to 10 things that I want to do, be, and have. Then the next process will be filtering that even further. We'll be going to prioritize out of those 10 each. I'm going to mark on three each. So then I'll have my nine core goals that I want to focus on. Now you can do this for quarter by quarter, or you can do it year by year. Now, what I used to do is I would actually focus these nine things quarter by quarter, and then I would get really overwhelmed and then not achieve as much as I wanted to. So now I do those nine goals over the space of a year. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't add any other goals because, you know, six months down the line, some of your goals might slightly change and you'll add something in. But I can promise you this, when you've got nine clear goals, three things from do, be, and have each, that's going to contribute to all of your areas of life and not just focus on one thing where you're just focused maybe on materialistic things, for example. So you can cater to all areas of life and really develop and grow as a person. That is one of the most powerful feelings to know that this is what I'm focusing on because then you can break those down into, right, so for the first quarter, for Q1, out of those nine goals, what do I want to focus on first? Then you break those down even further. And the confidence you feel knowing that I can actually get this done, I can actually see the vision, I can actually do this, is the best feeling, rather than feeling like, wow, I've just got all these goals I want to achieve, you feel overwhelmed and do nothing, like what the guys are saying in this podcast. So I think it's really, really important to break those down. So that's the process I'm doing right now. And I would say probably by the 26th, 27th, maybe even before that, I'll, I'll have that completely finalized. So from the 26th, 27th towards the new year, I find that, you know, three, four days, et cetera, goes very, very fast. So I like to be prepared beforehand knowing, right, that's me done. I've got them prioritized. I know my top nine goals. I know what I'm going to be focusing on for Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. That clarity is what we need going into 2020. And if you can do that, especially the way the markets are looking, just we're at the end of a decade. So we want to look at the broader picture. How do you want to start off the next decade of your life? And that really does start with getting it down now. Because if you think that, yeah, I've still got time, Christmas will happen, Boxing Day, etc. And before you know it, it's the 29th or 30th and you're scrambling around writing down goals that just are lip service goals, in my opinion, that you think look good on paper because you just want to participate and say, yeah, I've got my goals down. They're not important to you. You're not inspired to do them and you won't do them. And then again, 15th of January will come around and you've still not done anything towards it because you didn't take the time to write stuff down really take it on board, look at it and say, oh, I don't really want that. Cross that off, filter that out further and actually have goals that are truly important to you because that's what matters. So I highly, highly recommend do that. One of the things that I'm going to be doing is, is, a, is this, I do it in different ways. Sometimes I go to a coffee shop, etc. but this year I'm going to the spa. So what is the best way for me to achieve this process? I want to be in the most calm, focused, decision-making process as I filter these out. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll take those goals. I'll take my journal, take my laptop, etc. I'll go to the spa, the really, really nice spa about 30, 40 minutes away from me. And I will, I'll work out jacuzzi, sauna, all that kind of stuff. And then when I'm there and I'm thinking about the goals that I, that I want to achieve, and I've already got them in my head, right? Because I've written them down. I've really gone over them. I take that time to let them mar marinate and think, right, what do I really want? And I find that when I do that, they, they come to me and then I will, I will really know what I want to focus on. After that, I will then of course shower, get dressed, etc. go and have a healthy lunch smoothie. And then when I've got my journal and I'm filtering them out, I find that that comes to me and then I can filter them all out. They're done. And I leave the spa knowing that this is done. This is me for 2020. I know exactly what I'm going to be doing. So 
that clarity to me is the best feeling in the, in the world because you can go into 2020 with momentum, confidence, knowing I'm going to make this happen. Whatever hurdle that arises, I'll overcome it because I, I know how I'm going to do it quarter by quarter. It's manageable. You can measure it and you'll get it done. So a slightly longer process, but I just wanted to share exactly what I'm doing now because I know this will, this will help change your life. It's changed my life over years and years and years. And I've always tweaked this over the years. And this is a nice little tweak for me where this year I'll be going to the spa to do it. So very, very excited for that. What about, what about yourself guys? Are you going to be going to any spas or anything like that? Do you like to um, go to a coffee shop or do you do it in your office? Uh, where do you, where do you finalize your goals? Is there any kind of special place that you like to do to make sure that you've got the clearest mind? Yeah. So uh, the same for me. So I like to, uh, I know we haven't talked about it on the podcast, but I like floating. So sensory deprivation tanks. And one thing I wanted to touch on that you talked about Mark is again, you're almost getting to that flow state before you make your goals because what people may find is that say a friend's got something for Christmas and it's like, Oh, well you want to kind of show up them. You're writing goals out of emotion and they're the ones that you don't want. You're only writing them out of emotion rather than, mm -hmm. okay, you're not in the flow state. So again, it goes back to, and this is something I want to touch on that Neil was speaking about is your, is your reaction to stuff. So if you're in the flow state, when you're making goals, you know, they're going to be your like your true goals. And the same thing when Neil, we were talking about focus on what you like, what you can control, but also be, uh, just see how you're responding to stuff you can't control. Look at your reaction because say something happens at work and it's like, okay, well, a meeting's gone over time and you've missed a trade that you may have uh, got on lunch on your lunch break. If your reaction, Oh, I've missed that. Like I've, I'm, I'm not going to have a good week or, or whatever it is, a negative vibe that's going to affect your whole week, your whole month. So even the stuff you can't control still monitor your energy towards that. Because again, what you focus on is what you get. If you focus on that negativity, you're going to get more negativity. So that's perfectly said there, Mark. And, and again, one more thing is the key thing there when you said the going from 60 goals to, to nine and obviously to, to three, it's about chunking down. It's like, okay, well, these are my nine goals for, for the year. Okay. But what am I going to do on a monthly basis, a weekly basis to achieve that? To so say a book goals, uh, one of your goals, I want to read a book a month. It's like, well, actually, if you don't read for a whole week, that goal could get out of hand very quickly. But if you chunk that down to, okay, I'm reading 10 pages every single day, that's so easy to do. And I think why a lot of people don't go after their goals or don't succeed in, in achieving their goals is because they're so big picture. They don't chunk them down. There's no actionable steps. So if they don't do something for a day, two days, it's like, okay, well, it's kind of too hard. I don't have enough time. I'm just going to leave it. So just a couple of key points I wanted to touch on, Mark, that um, the guys may have missed that. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I really love that. And it just goes to show the power of compound. I think what, what you said there, Jake, is that people underestimate the power of compound, even just doing literally one thing, five pages, 10 pages. It can be the smallest thing that you do. And I think people underestimate that at the end of the year. And you think, wow, look at how much, to, look how much I've achieved. So no, those are great points there. What about yourself, Neil? Yeah, I think both you guys made really, really good points there. And just going back to the sort of scenarios that you like to put yourself in to get your goal setting done. Um, you know, Mark, you're talking about going to a spa and Jake was talking about uh, sensory deprivation tanks. But I actually found for myself, I like to be in my home office, you know, just at home. It's the environment where I find that I work best. It's where I do 99% of my trading from. I mean, we've all heard about the, you know, the Instagram side of trading where it's go to a beach or traveling around the world and you trade. And I've done that, but I actually find that my, my routine is a little bit out of whack. My decision making isn't as good as what it could be when I'm on the road. So I work most effectively when I'm, I'm at home and it's the same for when I'm doing my goal setting. So I like to be here, you know, it's nice and quiet. I can focus. I've got my 
my home set up around me and that's where I get my best work done. But it, it does take time and it should take time. Like what you were saying, Mark, you know, it's, it doesn't come immediately. And if it does, then it's likely not going to be like the, the real reflection of what is important to yourself. Um, and I think one word that really, really stood out to me that you said was, was clarity. And I think clarity is, it's just such an important aspect to, to take hold of, especially when you're talk, talking about your goal setting, but also in your day-to-day routine as well. And I want to bring this back to trading again, but anyone that's had a coaching call with me will know that I just go on about clarity, clarity, clarity. If you have clarity in what you're looking for in that day in the markets, then you're less likely to make rash decisions. You're less likely to enter a position which you haven't forecasted. You're less likely to manually exit a trade which is running in profit. You know, So having clarity about exactly what you're looking for and what you want to achieve and how you're going to manage those, those steps of how you're going to achieve that I think it's so, so important. So yeah, if there's one word which for myself, I would uh, try to leave everyone with today is is clarity. Love that. Really, really nice. I I think that's one of the most important things, clarity, because if you can have that in your life, you can have it in your trading, you can have it in relationships, you can have it everywhere. And uh, clarity really does serve us longer term. It's something we can have that's sustainable as well. I've really, really enjoyed the points that you both shared today. So, you know, I really appreciate that. And anybody listening that we would love to know your takeaways of uh, how you prepare, how you reflect and things like that. But you can see why we've worked this in these stages because this is exactly what we're doing. We're reflecting, which is part one. Part two now, we're preparing. We're going through the preparation phase. So these are the things that we all do individually to prepare. And there is no right and wrong answer. Just preparing the way is gives you the most clarity for me, for me doing it in the home office. Now I've, I've probably got two dogs barking, so wouldn't be as peaceful and quiet as, uh, as where you are. But, but that's why we've all got to do something different that suits us to be able to get more clarity for our vision. So very, very excited for this stage going through that. Once I refine that, what is the next layer guys and girls, the next layer, none of that matters. You can reflect and you can write the clearest goals, but if you don't have accountability, you, you may get some level of results, you may get some goals done, but nothing will get the goals done more so than when you've got accountability. And there's lots of key things and processes put in place uh, with friendship groups, inner circles, within the Falcon community that we have put in place for 2020 that I would love to share with you all because that's what it's about. When you've got accountability, then you're going to get stuff done. So we're going to be sharing tips points exercises that you can do to ensure you're held accountable because that's how you're going to grow and if you're serious about your goals you'll commit to it that's the most important thing accountability brings out the serious people what about yourself guys you excited to go to the accountability episode next week yeah definitely it's what i'm looking forward to and what i like about these podcasts this little mini series is we're giving people almost a look behind the curtain of what happens and how much depth we go and how much work we put in to get our goals right we've all heard smart goals and goal setting it's been around forever but Again, so many people just go through the motion and that's why they don't succeed in, like, with, with anything. And for, for us, you may see on Instagram or whatever it is, it's like, oh, well, they've achieved that. It's like, cool. But now you're actually starting to see the amount of work that goes in behind the scenes to attain that. And say it's a material goal, we could obviously get any material goal in, obviously within reason tomorrow, but if it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. So that's why all the stuff we get materialistic-wise is, is a, almost a reward from achieving a goal. So... Now you get to see kind of behind the curtain how much work goes in and obviously how serious we take our goals. 100%. Yeah. Nice, nicely said. And I like the part about the rewarding yourself as a side effect is the kind of the milestones, if you like. I think that's what's one of the biggest things for me that has helped me level up massively. What about yourself, Neil? 
Yeah, I think Jake made a really, really good point there about, you know, looking behind the curtain. You know, I think a lot of people fall into the trap of seeing or believing that what they see on social media is, is all that there is to it. They only see the, the end product rather than the behind the scenes and the hard work that goes into it. So I hope that this is really shining a light on how hard we work behind the scenes. Even when you do reach a certain level of success or consistency with trading, it doesn't end there. There's no end goal with trading. It's a cons- Trading is essentially doing the same things over and over, day in, day out. It doesn't stop. So I think hopefully people take away something from these podcasts and they, they get to see like a little bit more of a transparent approach to the markets and daily routines that we have. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to tying it up all together next time when we do the accountability podcast and really leaving people with some, some real actionable steps that they can, they can take away and, and utilize for themselves. A hundred percent. And I really, really hope from, from what these guys just said that you're, you're doing these things with us, right? You, you are reflecting or you've reflected already. And now you're in the preparation phase because this is literally what we're doing right now. This is why we want you to take, take these points away from this because you can apply it in your own life. That's the most important thing. And again, going into the next part, when we go into accountability, it's, it's going to be huge. And it really will separate the people that are serious that are not serious because that is what it is all about. When we can do all of these things and we can be held accountable, I mean, the goals that you can achieve, you, you, you wouldn't even, you're not even going to be the same people when you see what can really be done when you're held accountable. But you have to be held accountable by people on the same mission as you that share the same values. Otherwise, it just won't work. And again, we're going to get into much more detail with that next week. But guys and girls, really hope you've enjoyed this episode. Let us know your number one takeaways, what you're actually doing to prepare as well. That would be awesome to hear. And we will see you all in the next episode. Jake and Neil, again, really appreciate some incredible gems that you dropped there and looking forward to launching this episode of part two. Catch you guys in a bit. See you guys. Thanks a lot, guys.